I think my my first meet, my first squat I ever did on the platform, that was like there was there was a very definitive moment where I was like this is the best thing I've ever felt. Welcome back, everybody, to the Clinical Athlete Unnamed Podcast. That's right, Bryce. You're on an unnamed show as of yet. Sweet. Uh, I want to welcome Jared Maynard, our other co-host. Jared, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Having a great day. Excited for this conversation. Jealous of the hair that is not on my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bryce and I pretty much have all the hair game, and you have zero hair game right now. Uh, it's true. It's a little stuff. No, it's still zero hair game. It's fine. It's zero. You can shine that with shoe shine, man. Fact. It's it's hundred percent true. <laughs> I want to welcome onto the show one of my top five man crushes in the powerlifting world. Oh, Bryce Kralchik, <laughs> the crab shark. That cool. is. I'm, I'm going to go all the way in. We're here. Owner of Calgary Barbell. <laughs> Bryce, did I ever tell you my funny story about Calgary? Uh, I don't know if I've heard it. I'm really excited now. Where, where you go? So before the vid happened, right? I had we we had one of the CPCs booked, the clinical athlete powerlifting courses booked for Kingston, Ontario. Okay. And I was so excited because I was like, I was telling Jared, I was like, man, this is gonna be so great. I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna hop over to Calgary Barbell, I'm gonna get a training session in. He's like, Really? 36 hours away. How are you gonna get there? I'm like, Oh, I don't understand Canada just as an American. Yeah. Sending a link over. Hey, there's this Google Maps link. You should probably check that one out first. I'm so excited, and I just yeah, yeah, blew up right in my ways. face. It's a long ways, man. It's a hike. So, Bryce, we want to talk all things lifting, equipped lifting. But real quick, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I am a powerlifting athlete here in Canada. I've been competing in powerlifting for. I keep realizing that it's just about a decade now. So I did my first meet in twenty twenty or uh, twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been nine years now, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, I've enjoyed a bunch of success on uh, national and international platforms, both raw and equipped. And I've been coaching powerlifting for about seven years now too, with Calgary Barbell and the team of coaches that we have there, as well as making some. Uh, some pretty okay looking YouTube content over the last, uh, last number of years as well with my good buddy and business partner, Dylan. Pretty okay. Like, (laughs) can I hype it up for you? Without question, it is some of the highest production value stuff I've seen on YouTube. Hands down. Yeah. I just can't let Dylan's head get too big. Okay. So you won't have to listen to this. uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We'll just, we'll cut out this portion of the show just for him. Yeah. And then special release. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Director's release. That and the the powerlifter video mm-hmm. was absolutely phenomenal. I mean that that is such an inspiring video to watch. I mean it, it's one of those ones where if I need to to figure out what I'm going to do today and don't have pre workout, I'm good. <laughs> that was a that was a lot of fun. We actually we got a, a grant from Telus for making like a the, the the documentary and uh it was really cool for me to kind of go through that and really delve into like why I do this you know uh and I think a lot of people can can hopefully connect with that and kind of see some of those same reasonings and motivations for you know why they keep going to the gym and and especially when when motivation wanes and you know we're all locked down and there's no meets and stuff I think maybe it's uh 
it's especially relevant. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool one to look back on. You know what? We have a loose structure for these shows, but I, I can't help myself when I see an opportunity present itself. So I'm going to ask you, what is the why? Like that is a, that's such a powerful question and such a thing to answer, especially yeah. considering where we are. Cause now meets are opening back up. People are getting back out to it. Mm-hmm. What kept you training with something that is massively uncomfortable, by the way, training is not always the easiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. What kept you going? What, what, what is it that why for Bryce? Uh, I think, I think a large part of it now is just like, that's what I do. That's who I am. It's, it's so deeply integrated that like, if, if I were to just not train for a period of time, I think I'd go a little bit stir crazy. If, if not like other forms of like distress (laughs) would, would begin to quickly overcome my psyche. Um, but a lot of it for me was, you know, when I first got into it, one of the things that attracted me to it so much was the amount of agency that you have over your own progress. Um, like, obviously, there's anything you do, there's going to be circumstances and things that are outside of your control. And I think that's an important thing to start realizing as you get further and further into lifting. But certainly more than, you know, I was playing in bands before and it was like, well, you know, does the right person like your sound the one time they hear you? If so, you can kind of climb the ladder and make the right connections and stuff. But with lifting, like if you want to squat more, you just work harder and you rest harder and you sleep harder and you eat harder and you just, you you can really see that input to output. And that I think was something that I really latched onto was that I was kind of in control of my own destiny in this, you know, sort of small subsect of my life. Um, so that was definitely one of the things. And then very quickly, the, the, the community and the people, uh, that I met sort of along the way and throughout the journey became a real, a real big uh, sort of attractor for me. So um, I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have a lot of really good friends because of powerlifting uh, and people that I can talk shop with and make fun of and have internet banter with uh, and all kinds of things like that because of powerlifting that, you know, I'm, I might not have had the chance to meet or interact with without it. So it's uh, there's a lot of reasons why at this point. Just to that last point, uh, do you, do you remember Conrad Davies by any chance? That name sounds super familiar. Yeah. It's a friend of mine. He's out here in uh, the Niagara region. He and his family opened up uh, a brewery, but we used to live in Peterborough and uh, trained together and that sort of thing. So (laughs) he went out to when it would have been, I can't remember if it was nationals or it must've been nationals somewhere, maybe out in Calgary. But he told me the story when he got back about how he asked or he was taking a photo for you or using your phone for some reason and your phone didn't have a case and he dropped it. Oh, oh really? And he okay. was like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> and he, he just looked at you apparently and said, please don't eat me. <laughs> I feel like I've had interactions like that a number of times where people are like, Oh, like, is this guy, is this guy going to go crazy? But I'm really not that kind of guy. So it seemed like it, but I don't think I've ever, I mean, knock on wood, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever broken a phone screen or anything. So it was, hey. it was okay, man. This is awesome. Good. Conrad, you can relax now. Years <laughs> yeah. later. I'm not, Bryce I'm not coming for you. For you. <laughs> um, so what you said about having agency over your own destiny, you know, that, that resonates with what got me into powerlifting mm-hmm. way back when I, I'm trying to remember from the powerlifter, were you a team sports guy growing up, going through school? Yeah. So, so. Yeah, like at least at a casual level. I played baseball when I was really young. I played soccer for a bunch of years. Um, So I was always kind of involved in something, but I don't know that it ever 
was as all consuming as it became when I first started kind of falling in love with lifting weights. Right. Yeah. I played football in high school and I definitely wasn't a great player, but I really enjoyed it for the time. Hmm. And it's, it's one of those things where I enjoyed it. I think it was a good and necessary chapter for me, but then getting into lifting weights generally, and then powerlifting in particular, having, having that sport that I could do and kind of, kind of be that lone wolf. I think it just really works. It works with my general disposition where I've got no issue training by myself, but I also really enjoy being in an environment with other people who are like-minded or training for something similar, be it powerlifting or otherwise. And that community took me by surprise. And that seems to be what I hear from a lot of people when they get into it, mm-hmm. where they don't necessarily expect it to be as welcoming as it is, Yeah, um, definitely. but it's wild. I think my, my first meet, my first squat I ever did on the platform, that was like, there was, there was a very definitive moment where I was like, this is the best thing I've ever felt. Where like, there were probably, I mean, this, it was 2012 and it was a tiny little local meet in a gym underneath a mall. Uh, so it was like nobody, it, w- it wasn't like a big public thing. There were probably as many people um, in, behind the curtain in the staging area, as many lifters as there were people in the audience because everybody's like mom and grandma and partner came. Um, and I just remember like hearing everybody behind the curtain like blowing up with applause when I got white lights on my first squat. And I was like, wait, aren't I? I'm not. I thought I was competing like against you guys. Is that not how this works? And everybody was like, yeah, no, it's so sick. And like, just super, super supportive. Um, so that, yeah, that was, that was definitely a part of it for me as well. My very first meet, I actually still have friends from years ago that competed in the same weight class and we all keep track of each other. Like I've, I've never really thought of the community is, is not something that's that, well knit together and it's so crazy you go to nationals you go to these bigger meets and yeah i mean you we've all heard the stories of usaw nationals where everybody's like cutting eyes at each other and but you go to prime time you go to the arnold you go to that stuff there's definitely competition Mm -hmm. but you can share plates and share a platform and warm up together and talk shit and have fun and yeah and and still do your thing and it's it's such an interesting community, even at the highest levels, yeah. that the support is there. Because, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. This is something my training partners and I talk about all the time. You got to give respect to somebody that's going to get underneath something that can instantaneously kill them. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a difference. There's just there's something about that. And that's any sport. But, yeah, the, the community is, is unbelievable. Yeah. I think once you've, like, experienced enough of it yourself – you kind of just assume that anybody who's been doing it for a long time has experienced very, very similar things. And I think there's kind of a shared bond that's just like implied, you know, you're like, Oh, how long have you been lifting? They're like, well, I've been competing like six, seven or eight years or even three years or one year or whatever. But a lot of the times, especially if you've been around for a while, it's like, Oh, so, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you know, it, you know, you know what it is and how it goes then. Well, becomes, and that's, yeah. go ahead, Jared. I was just gonna say it becomes the gif of the, just the slight nod, the, the quick one yeah. for you know. Well, and that's for me, you almost, I, I look at somebody like Mike to share. He's like mm-hmm. a sage, right? <laughs> but the thing is like, it, he's down to earth. You can talk to him about anything really. Yep. But the longer you're in the sport, the more that becomes so much more consistent with 
Like I know what I know what you've been through. I know how uncomfortable it is. I know the ebbs and flows. I don't care what system you train in anymore. I don't care. You want to you want to argue about volume or intensity or whatever. That's fine, whatever. But I know we're all going to go through the same things. Mm-hmm. And that is the bond. It doesn't matter. But I've talked to Matt and Susie Gary a lot, and I've asked Matt especially about like different systems and 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 how he's always kind of managed discussions. And he's like, look, the really it, if you do this long enough. The differences are so small. The reason people are arguing about them is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just lift. Train. <laughs> buy into what it is that you're doing. Train hard. Keep lifting. Stay healthy. And just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. So yeah that, that's really what it boils down to. Right? That leads me to clear up a little bit of internet discussion. <laughs> that you're just giving away the equipment. You're not going to do it anymore. <laughs> This, and and I, I, I messaged you the other day, and I was like, at least do like a Viking burial for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like float it out into the river, set, set it, it on fire. fire. Like, do, do the whole thing. Well, I, mean, that, I, ha- I had a guy ask me. He's like, hey, man, can I buy your old shirt? I was like, no. <laughs> I'm not getting rid of my stuff. Like I, I've, I've talked to a few people. Like I don't know. I think, I think I've gone through a period now where I've been training raw long enough and looking at my old raw total, and I'm kind of like – Oh man, like I could do a lot better than that right now. Like my raw total needs some updating. Um, but if like if Worlds happens and World Games is like if that whole process is still uh, as it would be, you know, if the world was normal, then there's uh, I'm I'm not gonna like say now that I'm not gonna do that. Um, and and at no point was I like, oh yeah, I can't lift equipped anymore. You know, um, I'm lucky enough to work with. So interestingly enough, you said there's some people from your your weight class um, that were in your first meet that you still, you know, keep up with the, the two people who owned that little tiny gym underneath the mall are Ryan and Ray Stin, mm. who are now SBD Canada, who I'm working with uh, like as a sponsor. So like the entire process that they've been kind of along for the ride and they're both equipped lifters themselves. And, you know, at, at, at no point did I say that I will never go back to equipment. So I think, I think, the mark was missed maybe in how I worded things and people were like, Oh man, he's giving up equipment. And it's like, no, I'm just going to like wear SBD wrist wraps now. Like <laughs> it's okay. It's all right, guys. Just changing Everyone, the style a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Are you saying right. the internet took things out of proportion and needs to calm down? <laughs> no, I would never say that. Okay, great. Just so we're clear. <laughs> how much of the internet do you want to descend on? <laughs> you don't poke the internet. Yeah. Yeah, just trying terrifying. to see how far we're going here. Yeah, it's terrifying. So that actually brings up a good point. Like you mm-hmm. talking about updating your raw total. I'm a big proponent of basically participating in the entire sport. Mm-hmm. That that raw and equipped lifting are still powerlifting, and there does seem to. I think it's getting better, but there used to be this huge wedge between both sides. Yeah, I think they build each other. Yeah, I mean, like if you take the strongest people raw and you put them in equipment, they're going to be pretty friggin' strong. You take the strongest people in equipment, you take their equipment off, they're going to be pretty friggin' strong. Like, I, I, I don't understand. It makes too much sense, Bryce. For an equipped lifter, it's not like you don't do any raw training. The majority of your training is still raw. You know what I mean? You're just in your equipment once a week. And like once a week is high frequency. People look at me for getting in my equipment once a week and be like, you're crazy. You can't do that every week. So it's like you know, it, going raid is what every other week or every third week or something like that. You're in equipment. So what are you doing the rest of the time? You're training raw anyways. 
I don't I know, mean, man. It just doesn't seem all that different to me. <laughs> well, and it gives you so much room. So, you know, in our last episode in the main podcast, we talked about your hip. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all had aches and pains as we go through the whole training process. But I know when I started lifting equipped, like similar stuff, you get, get down into the hole and it's like, that's not comfortable today. Mm-hmm. This gives me an option. Go a loose suit, get the work in, maybe have to go a little bit heavier, but it still gives me options for training that I can still utilize yeah. because like – to be completely honest, lifting for me is part of my coping mechanism. I'm, I'm with you, man. Lifting's mm-hmm. changed my life. It's made me who I am. I identify with it. Internet can tear that apart all they want and tell me I'm crazy. That's fine. But giving me options to allow me to continue to train is incredibly important to me. And the yeah. equipment's been able to, to do that. Plus, I don't know if there's anything more thrilling than taking a number that's absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. and putting it on your back. Yeah, like it's, it's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, I had that goal to pull 400 kilos for a long, long time, but I didn't really think I'd be squatting 400 kilos as well. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't something that I ever even dreamed of. You know, my, my pulse started getting up there before I was getting into the equipment. And I was like, oh, maybe that would be like a good, you know, far away, far off long term goal. And then the squat just kind of happened because equipped lifting is awesome, you know? <laughs> That see episode over. The quick thing is awesome. <laughs> Thanks for out, everybody. Yeah. yeah, we we can we can leave now. That's well, cool. Just to pick up on what you're saying, John, and kind of maybe draw a bridge to the you know the rehab side that we talk a lot about on the the main podcast. In terms of giving people, I mean the the philosophy is the same, isn't it? Where whatever people want to be doing for us, we're talking about lifting, obviously, but you could apply the same conversation to you know the 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 mom who comes into the, the rehab clinic who just wants to be able to pick up her kid or like wants to do yoga every, every Wednesday or something. We're trying to give people options so that they can still have that thing, give, have that thing that gives them whatever it is. If it's a stress outlet, if it's enjoyment, if it's just feeling like themselves, cause we identify with these things in part. And that presents a challenge when we've got, you know, something that stands in the way of it, be it an injury, be it a worldwide pandemic, whatever it is, you know, if we, if we can just avoid as much as possible, that hard stop of like, okay, this is just not a thing you do anymore. But if we can say you can do this, maybe here are the ways that you can, that you can do it while still letting the issue settle down or working through it here. And now just, it goes back to agency. I mean, Bryce, you said that word a few minutes ago and that keeps Mm -hmm. seeming to come back around as part of the heart of it, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, again, like I have been able to kind of flip the switch back now the other way to where raw has been great because I've been really busy with some of the projects that we're working on with Calgary Barbell. Um, like we're looking at leasing and in commercial industrial bay so we can have our own sort of headquarters set up and like a lot of really cool, exciting stuff, but it's been very time consuming and I've been forced to train alone in my basement. So for me, switching back to raw has been just another way to like keep lifting through life. At the time, switching to equipped was like, oh, my my hip doesn't get all janky, and this is really fun and cool, and I can make a lot of progress. And then switching back to raw was just, in my eyes, like a very similar similar and reversible, if if need be, lateral move. Um, yeah, so it's it's just like I can go do my biggest session of the week in like under two hours. Whereas if I'm going to go do a big equip session, like 
uh, man, I got 30 minutes either way to the gym and then a four hour session. So, you know, five hours out of the day, which right now is just kind of not, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Especially getting into the shirt. Mm. I mean, that is just God awful brutal. <laughs> getting it on and getting it off is like the worst experience in the entire world. I, but, I don't think I use a tight enough shirt. <laughs> I don't I don't either and it still doesn't matter. I see these people squeeze into these things I'm like, "How are you doing this?" Yeah. You're a contortionist. But that is for, for me especially with the the you talk about reversible. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times we're doing the same stuff over and over. Squat, bench, deadlift, squat, bench, deadlift. Uh, changing accessories. It, it's great. Okay. I'm going to do this bicep curl instead of that bicep curl, but I'm still squat, benching, and deadlift. Mm-hmm. That reversibility, that understanding that you can take the equipment off and still make progress, put the equipment back on and make progress, it keeps things at least from a, a entertaining standpoint a little bit easier to swallow. Like it – it keeps it interesting. You can you can take and put the suit on and have just like a crazy squat session and feel really good about it, mm-hmm. or or test an AMRAP with with squats or with raw squats and feel good about it. It, it keeps that entertainment value up. Do you feel like being able to flip back and forth will actually help your longevity in the sport? A hundred percent. Like I think one of the most motivating and and fun things to do is hit a PR. And if you now have like two very different sort of schools of lifting where you can go hit PRs, like I could go hit a shirted bench PR if my raw bench is stalling out and I want to lift equipped, uh, you know, like it just being able to bounce back and forth. you like, now I have six PRs instead of three that I can chase mm-hmm. down. If we're looking at like absolute performance, you know, strictest standards, let alone like, okay, you got a one board, two board, three board, you got doubles and triples or whatever. Like if you start breaking down like that, there's infinite PRs. But in the strictest sense of like competition standard singles in our discipline, I now have six targets instead of three. So mm-hmm. to me, that gives me more opportunity to chase down different directions based on where life is, where training is, where my goals lie, uh, and opens up different fields of competition. So for me, the the move to raw was one of, okay, I don't know, like there aren't as many equipped lifters in Canada, like on a national level, I think even within North America, uh, it's, it's less than, you know, the popularity of equipped lifting in, in Europe and, and other places. So for me, it was like, well, if my, if my, my competition pool is probably for at least the foreseeable future limited to Canada and North America, I'm going to move over here where there's more competition. Cause like, I just want to compete against people because I really like get off on, you know, jostling around third attempt deadlifts and, you know, like vying for position and that kind of stuff like that. That's my jam. Like, that's what I want to do. I don't care if I win or am world champion ever. I want to like pull for podium. Like that, that's, that's what I like to do. You know what I mean? You're a competitor. The more places I can do that, the, the better for me. That's cool. Now I'm curious too, on the coaching side of things, because John, I know you've, you've mentioned that you've done this for a couple of your lifters. Bryce, I'm curious if you've had the same thing. You ever been in situations where, for one reason or not or another, whether it's say the raw lifting's getting stagnant or someone's running into some sort of issue, you ever float the idea of getting somebody in a suit, getting somebody in a shirt, and if so, like how's that gone? I have. Um, I think I usually let them come to that 
conclusion on their own. Like I'll maybe, <clears throat> I'll maybe mention that like, oh yeah, you know, I had something similar to that and like, you know, I had a lot of fun using wraps or whatever. But I think for the most part, most of my lifters kind of know me and know my training. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there's a sense of like already some curiosity because they've seen me do it and they know they can ask me whatever about it. So I've definitely seen a lot more of my lifters be interested in trying out a bench shirt or, you know, implementing knee wraps or something like that in their training since I got into equipment. So yeah, I, I mean, that, that brings up a cool parallel of like, okay, this also opens my coaching toolbox mm-hmm. quite a bit wider. Um, and I'm working with some, some really good equipped lifters right now as well. Um, who, you know, I probably wouldn't be working with if I hadn't done a couple of years of equipped lifting and been pretty successful with it. So yeah, I, I think, I think that's a really interesting <clears throat> side of it. I love that we take the same approach. I'm not like you're, I'm going to buy you briefs. We're just going to do this. John, the, the subtle nod as Bryce said it, I was like, Oh, that, that struck something with John. Yeah. He's, he's, oh, yeah. he's loving it. Oh yeah. There's times like it's little, it's little stuff, right? Like I've seen raw lifters, especially if they struggle a lot with like, squeezing out of the back like the hips hips chasing out back mm-hmm. for for some reason you put some wraps on them for a couple weeks and it goes away and i'll, I'll drop a little subtle it's like hey you know I've, I've actually seen wraps do really well for that and still keep intensity high mm-hmm. and then you just keep on the conversation two weeks later they've got a, a set of predators coming in and it's like mm-hmm. okay well you know, this is this or phantoms not predators phantoms because everybody goes all the way to the most aggressive pioneer rap you can get <laughs> That will literally slice off your leg. Like yeah. let's 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 go to that. Let's bleed first. Yeah, um, it's a good thing for your first session. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just get the free sidewinders that come with a band pack from Elite FTS? It's a, probably a better idea. <laughs> but you know, it's that subtle little hint, and then uh, uh, of course too, they see us lifting in it, and it piques interest. Like, yeah. wow, that looks really cool. It also looks m- super uncomfortable, but I, I would I would I'd be okay to try that. Yeah. Yeah, I think like once you reconcile that, like you know, lifting in general is not super comfortable most of the time. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, what's a little bit, you know, I've already got like two size, two small knee sleeves and <clears throat> the longest wrist wraps I can get, and my belt's like cranked tight, so I have two layers of overlap in the front, and you know, what's what's a pair of knee wraps? You know, what's what's a little bit more compression? My theory is your equipped, bruised, tired shirt was a gateway drug for a lot of lifters. <laughs> I think it One might of my have been. Favorite shirts. I think it might have been. I think a lot of people bought that shirt and then they were like, "Man, I should really like live up to this and yeah, try that out." You know, that's what I'm standing by, hundred percent. It's funny because that was that was a rebuttal T-shirt. Um, there was yeah. a company in Canada called LVD that released a shirt that had like we used the same font, the same yeah, yeah. word layout and everything, and it said "Raw Natty Proud." Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, what? <laughs> what about us guys over here in squat suits? You know? <laughs> so I made a shirt that said "Equipped, Bruised, and Tired." <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you made it and I knew exactly what it was. And yeah. I, I loved I loved it. Still do. I'm, I'm here this for the first time. I have to find that shirt now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was this was a while ago. I don't know if those guys still make shirts uh, or they if they're like even still around in, in what they're, what they're or not. any capacity, but they yeah. I think they they closed up shop a, a year or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, they had all the competition shirts and stuff and then that that all went probably partially because of SBD. Doing mm-hmm. all the things in powerlifting, mm-hmm. um, which again, congratulations on that mm-hmm. that Thank shift you. there. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. Um, so, kind of piggybacking off what we talked about, getting lifters into it. What are your suggestions mm-hmm. for people that are 
equip curious about you know getting into <laughs> in, into, into equipped listening. Sean, you just you just coined the term. Just yeah, that's right. that's that. nice. I like that. I would put that on a shirt now too. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, I think the biggest things are just finding like other ways to overload first and and be like, okay, let's try let's try knee wraps, let's try like a slingshot, let's try some of this other stuff, let's try some reverse bands, whatever you know, because not everybody wants to or has access to uh, equipment, you know, and not everybody wants to buy a shirt to try a shirt out, and especially right now, you know, not a lot of people have like a big gym community where you can just like lend a shirt, um, but. I mean, that would be obviously the, I think the more ideal way to try things out is like find somebody around your size who has something, get together with four or five of your, your good training partners and be like, okay, I'm going to try this thing out this day, you know? And, and I mean, obviously talk to your coach and find a, an intelligent way to put it into your program or whatever. But I don't know. I think my first time in the shirt, I just like threw on a shirt that was, I think it was a straight sleeve and it felt terrible. And I was just like dumping the bar and it was so tight. Like I couldn't tell if I had touched my chest or not. Um, but, you know, it was uh, 40 or 50 pounds more than I'd ever bench pressed before. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I think I might like this. <laughs> Actually, I, my I, very I, first equipped experience was getting into a multiply deadlift suit. Uh, and it was only multiply because oh, it had the Velcro straps. But I did them up to like full tightness. And I was, I was still a conventional puller at the time. And I remember just like getting my brace at the top and going and just stopping halfway down and like waving my arms around trying to, I was like, how do you even get to the bar? Uh, And that was one of the first times I pulled sumo ever was because I was like, well, I'll just put my legs out here. See how this works. Was it the big metal orange one? Uh, I don't know if it was the orange one. It was, I think it was black. It was like a king deadlifter or something, maybe. Yeah, all the strongman know. competitors use the bright, like hunter orange, mm-hmm. and just it, it, that super bright color. And those are the ones I see the most often with the the straps. But man, that yeah, that's an experience in and of itself. I just yeah. like that we got the Batman Begins version of Bryce in the sumo pole. Like that, this feels significant here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Re- recap that day for us now, Bryce. What is- <laughs> Someone cue up the Christopher Nolan soundtrack. <laughs> here we go. Ah, uh, yeah. Back so I, in the day, I transitioned my my wife and one of her friends into the squat suit first. That mm-hmm. was, you know, one of those things. A couple of reverse bands. We did some overload stuff, and then they finally were like. I want to see what this is like. Mm-hmm. And that first night, I mean, they lit up. It was one of the coolest things to watch. And both of them were in a point where it was like, ah, you know, lifting, we're enjoying it. It's it's cool. You know, we're seeing progress. But like ever since then, implementing that tool, gradually bringing some of those bigger numbers in, I mean, it's lit such a fire. And mm-hmm. same kind of thing you're talking about where they come in, now, now they've got six PRs to look at. They've yeah. got, you know, throw the, throw the, a lot of people still pull in squat suits, right? When they're yep. first starting out. So pull this, put the squat suit on, straps down, get a good sumo pull today. Like it, it's a way to get a win. Jared and I talk so much about getting wins in training. And this is just a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, I was coaching a guy from like Northern Alberta, which uh, was probably, he probably lived like five or six hours away. And this was years and years ago. And I remember he came down and was like, I really want to try a squat suit. So we got him in a squat suit one day. We had him try it out. He had a blast and like just walked out of the gym grinning ear to ear. And then 
two years ago, like 2019 Dubai Worlds, he ended up going to Worlds uh, on the equipped team for Canada. Hmm. And that was a pretty cool like full circle to see him come around from, well, let's, let's try this thing out to spending a number of years in the trenches and then learning equipment and, and getting into it and then going to, to equipped worlds for Canada. So that was, that was really cool to see too. There is a learning curve and I loved every second of it. I, you're it you're just, a huge process guy. Oh man. It, it was so <laughs> fun. The first time, like I started getting into equipment and learning all the nuances of it and all the little things. It's like, a, a whole new world opened up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be Aladdin here. I was just world. about to break it's in my head. There you yeah. go. See, kind of sad you didn't. Right? That. <laughs> but the next thing you know, it's like these little, little, little tricks. How to how to move this sleeve this way? Like how to how to jack the suit up the right way? Mm-hmm. How to self wrap when you've got like all this pressure going on? And and how to how to modify training based off like. Bryce, I'm sure you've been there. You put the squat suit on, you step the bar out, and you just you know your body's not going to be able to handle the blood pressure spike today. Like what 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 what's that feel like? Oh my god, it's terrifying. Um, but it was all these new things to learn, and even for a guy who's been doing it for a long time, it was so much fun and it's so cool to experience that again. I felt like a complete newbie. All over again. Well, just that there, like that's that's an interesting thing, and I, I know you, John, like you're you love the process, right? And I'm a big process guy, big process guy, and I think that's a, I think it's an important thing to to put out there, not only for anybody who's who's going to try quick lifting. Like I fall into that camp. I've made up my mind. I'm going to do it at some point. So, some point in the, probably the near future. John, you've worked. Your brainwashing's worked. You got two guys. <clears throat> I mean, we're just talking subtle. It's subtle, <laughs> it's, but it works. It's easy. He's a big long game guy too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's important to to recognize or even just talk plainly about how the how there's going to be a learning curve. And it's the sort of I was thinking about it lately about the white belt mentality, where at once jumping into something new or fresh that completely takes you out of your element. I think it's important to do. Um, especially when you find yourself becoming more proficient or getting comfortable, not just with lifting, but I think there's a general philosophy and it's still tough though, especially if you've gotten used to being decent or kind of knowing what the fuck's going on and then to have that taken away and be okay with it, to recognize that this is a process and to recognize you are going to suck and mess things up and make those, those beginner mistakes, but how that's okay. Cause it's going to then lead to, more enjoyment and learning and like just, just really focusing on the process as, as cliche as that sometimes feels to say, I feel like that's not only good, but also probably important to be reminded of, especially for those of us who are very outcome oriented and who, I mean, obviously we've all, all three of us on here and most people have certain outcomes that we want. I'm not saying that process and outcome things are separate from each other. But just recognizing that the, the outcomes flow from the process and just being okay with that is an, a thing, an important thing to do. Yeah. And I think also like realizing that, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're a noob again and you suck again, imagine how much progress you can make. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was, that was the first thing that hooked me into equip lifting was like I went in and started with weights that like would have been a hard single. Right, but cap- mm-hmm. but I would have been capable of them raw, 
and I literally added weight every time I got under the bar for like a year and a half every week. You know what I mean? Like you just, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm starting to get the hang of this. I'm starting to wrap tighter. I'm starting to, you know, adapt to that strength curve where my top end strength now in the squat is that much greater because I can understand how to rely on that little bit of, 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 support from the suit and those kinds of things. Um, wasn't as quite as fortunate with the bench still, still chipping away at that one. But, uh, the squat for sure was just like, yeah, it was just like a literally, a, a you know, a linear progression, uh, on the squat again, which was like intoxicating. Hmm. And such a confidence builder. Yeah. Like even I'd go back to raw training after those big squat sessions in the suit. And it's like this, it feels light on my back. Mm-hmm. This was typically would be a hard set, but I walk into it and I'm I'm so much more fired up. I'm so much more focused. And then the other thing I, I think it's taught me is is really a lot of discipline. So many other small details now are much much clearer. Like you can't mess around with your walkout when you're in a suit with wraps and all this all this weight on your back. You can't take a handoff or have somebody give you a handoff poorly in a shirt. Like you, you, the diligence and the discipline just gets ramped up at the same time. Like you're talking about, it's so fun. It's so mm. fun. The first time I put a, a weight on my back to squat in a suit that I never believed would ever be physically possible for me was a huge turning point in my confidence lifting. And I do actually attribute that day to just blowing the cap off and just making me say, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to put those self limitations on myself. I've got all these other things. I've got all these options. Sky's the limit at this point. Who cares? Yeah. So just to jump in, that's the first I've heard of that. That's it's an awesome story. I'm curious, John. Do you feel like that's also been linked to what you've done with Rebuild Stronger and now you're doing the Honey Badger Project? Like that mindset shift? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So Bryce talked about agency previously. This is one of those moments where I tell everybody that powerlifting's changed my life. Mm-hmm. The the attitude I take into training now I take everywhere. Bryce is talking about expanding their business and doing those things. And I'm sure part of that's been influenced by some of the things that he's accomplished in powerlifting, not just how it's changed him as a person, but the networking he's been able to do, the confidence he's been able to build in talking to so many different people, coaching so many different people, understanding how people work, the ins and outs of their behavior. I learned all of that from powerlifting. And yeah. people are going to chuckle. They're like, oh, come on. It's just lifting weights, bro. Yeah, to you, maybe. <laughs> but to me, it's literally my livelihood at this point. And it's yeah. changed who I am fundamentally as a person. Yeah, I, I don't even think I could find a, like a sense of self with powerlifting completely removed from that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much of it that's intrinsic to me and I could see where you might think like, Oh, that, that, that might be problematic. You know what I mean? Like what if, what if powerlifting, like what if the IPF explodes uh, in some way, shape or form, which honestly isn't the craziest thing anybody's ever questioned. <laughs> no, um, not right now. <laughs> definitely not right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd still train, you know what I mean? Like if there was never another meet and I could never like go to the gym again, I would still train, you know, I would still find a way to put a bar on my back and bend my knees. Like that part of it, I think is much more the like inseparable part than, you know, all the other stuff as much as the other stuff is really important. 
Agreed. Because I know you pull 400 kilos. I'm just trying to do the other two a little bit bigger so I can keep up. <laughs> My strategy. I like it. And and grow longer hair too, right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm growing a bit of a head start. Out. I'm growing this out till I donate it, man. Uh, this is going to go like did, shoulder length did, beyond. Did you tell Bryce that you're challenging, or you've challenged Omar to a hair off? Uh, well, he, he oh, keeps, really? he keeps, yeah, he keeps, he keeps blocking it, keeps denying it. He knows. Gee, I, I mean, I, I got to, a direct line to the guy if you if you want. That's exactly I'll why know. I brought it up. I take this hair tied down and start the flow. <laughs> He's got nothing. <laughs> you take your supplements. You can take Iron Culture. You just. <laughs> Sign it off. <laughs> he did say he doesn't care anymore. That's how he, that's how John thinks I don't now. Care. I'll get after it. So I want to, I want to, I want to do some myth busting real quick. Okay. All right. So the misconceptions around equipped lifting are some of my favorite things in the entire world. I love mm-hmm. when people will comment on a Dave Hoff video. We're like, oh, this shirt's doing all the work for you. <laughs> like. Do your wrists hold a thousand pounds, sir, on the internet? Is that is are your wrists capable of supporting that? So what are the biggest misconceptions you've heard about equipped lifting that you want to squash? Uh yeah, I think honestly the the number one, the biggest one and the and it, it kind of like kind of used to bug me a lot more maybe than it does. But people just assuming that if, you know, if if you're that good at equipped lifting, like you're probably not a very strong raw lifter. But I remember seeing like when I first got into equipped, I started following a lot of these like uh, like Eastern European guys, like especially you, the Ukrainian team, and seeing guys like Semenyenko and Rubitz. Uh, you know, I, I think I've seen Rubitz take 270 for like a set of 10. Uh, I saw Semenyenko squat like 400 plus for a double. And and this was like raw, maybe raw with wraps. And it's like, man, you tell me you take these guys and you put them at IPF Worlds, they're not going to medal. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. There's no way. They just like prefer to do equipped for whatever reason. And I think you're seeing more of that now, where you're going to start seeing these these countries and, and powerlifting clubs that are putting up these uh, incredible equipped lifters, just being like, eh, you know, I'll I'll do a raw year and come out and just smoke people. And I think it's going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that many people who know much about powerlifting really believe that. But I do think, like in the general sense, there's this kind of misconception. Like even Hoff, like take Dave Hoff for an example. And I know very, very little about the guy other than he's like the biggest multiply total ever. But if you take him and you put him in the gym raw you got to imagine he's got some capabilities, right? You know what I mean? Like there's no way he's not squatting seven or 800 pounds raw. There's no way he's not benching five, six or 700 pounds raw. There's no way he's not still pulling, you know, around 700 pounds raw. And like, he, dude's not weak. You know what I mean? No. And I've seen how far he can actually throw Louis Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> like, which has got to count for something. It's got to count for yeah. something. Like, it's it's like twelve feet. The old man flew through the air. Yeah. So he's got power. But yeah, that that one's nuts. I love how you just explained. Yeah, I'll do a raw year, almost like a college kid taking a gap year. Like, oh, I'll just take. Yeah, I'll just go lift raw. It's whatever. <laughs> Well, and I've seen, I think that's like a, another sort of common way of thinking for, you know, 
cultures, countries that that prioritize equipped lifting is like, you know, raw lifting is training and equipped lifting is competing. And I think that's how like a lot of those groups will look at it. And I don't know, man. I, I think competing raw is pretty pretty relaxing, honestly. <laughs> when you when you take and compare that to the the like in some cases independent like uh, indy 500 pit crew that is uh getting ready for an equipped squat you know what i mean like if you're self-wrapping right uh like at 2020 nationals in march uh, i guess i wasn't self-wrapping that um but anyways yeah just even being able to take equipped squats and then sit back down for three or four minutes, get your knees wrapped again because it takes three minutes to wrap them and get your belt, get your straps up, get out there, get under the bar, pick it up, squat it. Like it's uh, it's a lot more than like, oh, I'm just, uh, you know, sitting here for 14 minutes and then uh, I think I'll do my wrist wraps up and no, uh, oh, I should close my belt. Mm, maybe I'll put some chalk on and, uh, oh, okay, time to lift. <laughs> Whereas the crypt lifting is just... <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to call it now. No one will ever do a better Canadian powerlifting impression that I love more than what Bryce just did. That was amazing. That's the but like equip lifting, yeah, you're just like hammering these wraps on and you're like checking the clock and you're looking at the board to see like, okay, we got to be ready. Like when they say bars loaded for this guy, two out, I got to be on my left knee. And then I got to grab these people to put my straps up and make sure that my straps are set. And I got to make sure my suit legs didn't ride up too hard. And then I got to crank my belt shut. And yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, man. It, it's completely different world. And it's exhilarating and that, too. Like I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying that because it's a bad thing. It's just like a very different way of, of competing. And I find it really hectic and kind of fun. I, I would 100 percent agree, 100 percent agree. And going from an equipped meet to a raw meet is it is relaxing. But man, yep. I I still I still think both are just so the utility of them is like you just get after it and compete and have fun. Yeah. Because it continues to grow the sport. You mentioned earlier about like I, I, the jostling back and forth. All that does is push other people and make make them better. Yeah, but that yeah, I love it. What are the misconceptions? We got time for one more. What do you got? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that one kind of falls in line with the whole like, oh, the shirt does all the work oh. <laughs> kind of idea. Um. I think the other maybe weird misconception is like people assume that the training is just like crazy, like that there's just something else that isn't powerlifting that equipped lifters do. Like uh, I think maybe too many people saw like too much of the elite FTS West Side like insane conjugate fourteen bands and two chains high box squat speed doubles every forty seven point five seconds with thirty six percent on the bar. Um, like people think that's equipped training when in actuality, it's like, what's your, you know, and a lot of people ask me, what's your, what's your best accessory movement when you're, when you're squatting in your, in your equipment. And it's like, well, raw squatting more, <laughs> like, more squats. Yeah. Like it's we'll not, it. it's really not that different. You know, like I, I find, I think probably my best strongest state, uh, equipped was also one of my strongest periods of time raw like they're the two are very you know uh sort of inextricably linked where you know a lot of the times when i'm hitting these big equipped squat singles i'm hitting you know pr squat triples raw squat triples in the same week because 
like strong is strong, you know? Yes. Amen. Strong is strong. All right. So we're running up on time. Bryce, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Thanks for having me. Um, I am uh, Calgary Barbell pretty much everywhere. So you can go calgarybarbell.com. Uh, you can find us Calgary Barbell on YouTube and Instagram. And you can follow my lifting uh, on Instagram at Bryce underscore CBB. Awesome. Didn't you guys do a, a merch drop or was that a little while ago? Am I just... Uh, so yeah, we did one earlier this year and then we did a quick reprint. We got some more stuff coming up for summer. We got a fall launch planned. Mm-hmm. We got lots of, lots of really cool stuff coming. This is actually oh, yeah. one of the shirts. Believe it or That's, not. Yeah. That, look that looks gorgeous. sharp. Where do I get the Calgary barbell tutu? Those, uh, I believe were burned. Oh, they're special <laughs> edition. Those got to the Viking funeral. Oh, they get they get a Viking funeral. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I think, I think Dylan's found a pair of wings in his house recently <laughs> and was like, Hey dude, remember these? <laughs> Please put them back on for an Instagram uh, video. We'll see. We'll see. Just, just call that back up. I've gained a, a full weight class since the two, two. So Even I might better. have to get a custom made. I already, I already broke those wings, putting them on. If you watch that <laughs> video, I have like a red, mini band like a resistance band that i used to tie those wings to my back because i broke the actual uh, shoulder straps that's incredible <laughs> the details that you don't get until you actually talk to the man <laughs> that's what i'm talking about uh, yeah jared any final words before we cut it here no just this conversation's fantastic hopefully big takeaways are that <laughs> strong is strong and uh I can't see a downside to giving people more options to do what they love, make progress, and you know, continue the ripple effect that strength has outside of the gym through the rest of their life too. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. Exactly. I want to thank both of you fine Canadians. I didn't hear Jared say sorry the entire time today. This is pretty cool. I, I swore once, so I kind of ticked one Canadian box. And then Bryce did the Canadian powerlifter impression. So I feel like we covered our bases. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And he was so polite through that whole thing. That, that's what I'm saying. What's excuse, that? Me, excuse me. Can I have some chocolate? Like, that's all I was waiting for. <laughs> hey, uh, you mind getting my back there with that? <laughs> hey, bud. Help me out there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Yeah, 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 yeah.